0: And welcome to the Lock In Podcast, the show that lifts the lid on life in the pub trade by those working in it. I'm the morning advertiser's Ed Reddington, and with me, as ever, sadly, are my two trusty co hosts, sidekicks, if you will, Heath Ball and Nicky Thatcher. Heath Ball is a titan of the pub trade, if you can class someone who's four foot three as a titan. Widely known to many in the sector, mostly is that odd sweary Australian, Heath is an experienced pub operator and occasionally has something to offer. Nicky Thatcher our podcast intern is still learning the ropes of podcasting and it has been heavy going now Nicky I never said you were incompetent I just said your work speaks for itself
1: mm. <laughs> oh, I'm saying nothing it's
0: fine. I, I, I mean it's the death stares that I'm getting that's um, slightly disturbing but thanks for joining me it's uh, it's a pleasure really um, happy
1: to be here
0: I mean I don't deserve you I mean in all sincerity I don't <laughs>
1: this is getting weird now <laughs>
0: Ha, 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 ha. Right, this episode of the podcast is going to zero in on something that remains a little patchy when it comes to the pub offer. And I'm not talking about his comb over either. We're talking.
1: I'm not sure you can have a comb over with no hair, can it's you? True, yeah. It's
0: true. It's, it's generally patchy all over. Yeah. Okay, move along. We are talking about coffee, Java Joe Jitter Juice, whatever you want to call it, the original Colombian marching powder. We'll be talking about the history of coffee and pubs with top author Pete Brown. We'll be hearing about the latest stats and and trends from Luminars' Flora Zulinski. Leading coffee suppliers, UCC, will be on hand with top expert Phil Smith giving us a lowdown on what pubs need to run a good coffee offer. i will be talking to top operator even, Keith Bott of Titanic Brewery, and coffee guru Richard Frazier of Workshop Coffee on what operators should be doing to get coffee right. So there we go, and I'm sure Heath will be happy to espresso his feelings on the subject as well.
1: God.
0: That is the extent of my coffee puns. I, I is it? haven't got any I, I, on that. No, I, I mean I'll try and think of it. some. I'm sure there's some oh. instant ones I can think of. Oh, Off
1: Christ. the
0: top of my head, like that, but um, no. I mean, we'll probably come back to them later I mean, later. Your jokes are about as exciting as a decaf espresso. That's not a pun, though, is it? No, because of no, shit. No, Don't drink them. <laughs> Thank you for that, Heath. Uh, and appropriately enough, we are recording this episode in the Summerstown Coffee House. Past the yummy collectors, so many thanks to Anthony and the team for hosting us. And Heath is only on his eighth coffee of the day. So, I had uh, five espressos. You had five. I mean, that is probably more than the average. Yeah. Do you, do you have a problem?
2: No. Do just we need to
0: do an intervention here, no, here? I get up at Thank seven, have a, have a coffee.
3: a And have vodka. another one about 7.30, just to get the... You know, get the, get the groove on, Take and the edge then, off. then you know, I'll stop drinking coffee around midday. I uh, had about five six espressos.
0: Okay, yeah, it's not that bad. I, 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 I'm not judging you, it's good coffee. I'm not judging you. Uh, before we get on to coffee, though, let's catch up on the news. Um, I mean, we were talking about this earlier. Um, price of uh, veg, lack of availability of fruit and veg at the moment. Uh, Heaty was saying, uh how much were you saying a tomato costs you now?
3: Oh, no, I'm, but I'm using, that's different. I'm using, from the tour, I'm using their winter Iberico black tomatoes. And I think 100 grams cost me about a pound. So one tomato is...
0: One tomato costs you a pound.
3: Yeah, but it's like it's not, we're not, they're actually bringing in winter tomatoes where they're actually growing right, not like over here where we're trying to grow summer varietals in winter in glass houses with heating.
0: Mm. So, you're, more are you able to get them? Because apparently there's real problems with the crops. And I'm getting, uh, I'm getting the stuff getting stuff. That's why we've got no fruit. Yeah, I'm getting winter tomatoes, no problem. Yeah, so, so there is no problem. But
3: I don't, I don't buy summer tomatoes in winter.
0: No, I know but I'm saying. The supermarket and everyone's saying that it's being blamed on supply issues. But you say there's no supply issues.
3: Well, no. If I'm, I buy, off, you know, but I'm buying winter tomatoes, so there's no supply issue.
0: Mm. I can't. Do you know what I mean? So... You're missing my point. But, yeah, you were, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's painful, but okay. um, let's move on. I was giving you an opportunity to slide off the government and shout about Brexit, but I mean, I don't mate, know why I was giving mate, you that opportunity. Like, don't even so. get me started. No, we I don't, don't yeah. normally. I'm, you I'm, just I'm, go on I'm, on your and own I, And I gave, you, I gave you the opportunity. Yeah, you but there's no it, point. So, they're, they're, this, this
3: government is in free fall. If, if I was the supreme leader of this country, I'd drag them all out. It's, it's just rubbish. It, you, I can't believe what they got away with during COVID. I can't believe they use WhatsApp. Like, like, seriously,
0: this is top our top secret government communication. Yeah, and, like, not somebody, only, no, it's not just that they use WhatsApp, but they've then given those WhatsApp messages to a supposed journalist, technically. He is a idiot. Mm.
1: Wow, idiot. Mm. Well, that's quite strange for you. Yeah,
0: there was a lot of big words coming. Uh-huh. A lot of swear I, was words I was worried. I had my finger on the bleeper button. Yeah, but look, even, fact, you know, what, what wait, the bleeper wait, button? So
3: let's go Rishi Sunak going to Northern Ireland in the factory and going, this is, oh? a, this is amazing. This is amazing. You guys are in the single market, but you also you're in the UK. This is the best outcome for you all. And you sit and go, we fucking
0: had this. <laughs> we had this. And you're happy that. I, I, that is brilliant though, isn't it? I mean, whoever wrote that, from a PR point of view probably heard it being said and went oh, oh. oh. so basically Northern Ireland has the best of both worlds saying, what a great thing you've got access to the EU and the UK and the UK sat there going if that's such a good thing why have we taken it how, many,
3: how many companies do you think have actually just looked at Northern Ireland and went maybe it's time to open up out there mm. do you know what I mean like
0: it, it, you know the opportunities they're going to have yeah maybe you should open a pub out there I mean, it's an easy commute from Highgate. Man, it's quite good, actually. I could be away a lot. (laughs) I wouldn't have to be at
3: home. Oh, my God. I miss my children and my dog and my wife daily, but
0: I've got to make a living for them. In that order. I've got to give
3: them them a lifestyle, and I need money to do that, and I could do that from Northern Ireland. 364 days of the year <laughs>
1: yeah, but what about all your holidays
3: yeah. yeah well yeah. I'd probably I'd have an EU passport really wouldn't I if I had a Northern Irish passport Do
0: you, don't pa- think pa- that works
1: don't like, I know no,
3: no. you're
0: going to be Republic of Ireland too. Man. so have you got the Irish heritage I mean you've, you've got an Australian passport anyway no i got a Kiwi yeah. yeah, no bad joke again yeah,
3: yeah. I don't know
0: Anyway, oh, no, moving no, no. on. Yeah, and
3: then what else are we going to talk about? We're going to uh, talk about... BB, f-
0: BBPA has warned 2,000 pubs are at risk um, and then they've gone on and called for a duty freeze because that is the solution for those 2,000 pubs. It's like... It's not... it. Like, it's...
3: Like, I don't think the government cared if we lost 20,000 pubs. I generally don't think they care. We're in a worse position than we were um, during COVID. We have more support. And I think we're running, like, you know what I mean? They say 2,000, but we're all just getting hammered. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Even, like, you know, I think I'm quite a good operator. And all I do is just look at it and go, fuck.
0: There's no light at the, end of the tunnel. It's, this is not good. bad. I mean, we're, we're seeing good operating guys from our top 50. You know, they're smaller independent businesses. They can't balance the books. No, you yeah. it, it, it's not about whether you're good or bad. Ultimately, if your if your costs are spiralling to this state, um, it is it is impossible. It's without
3: Out of control, and you can't really like. There's only so far you can push the market like Uh you can pass it to a customer like you go okay but it's only so far but it's you know it's going to affect the whole the more business go out it's the whole supply chain it's the farmers
0: was was talking about um also, not, somebody was talking about the pub was charging £10 for a Scotch yeah
1: wow and you think
0: <laughs> oh, really that's quite a good idea but someone, yeah. was saying,
1: someone was saying <laughs> yesterday that. Uh, um, but this is it the a full meal sorry anyway. at the conference um, this like they've been operating for, for you know two or three maybe four decades and this is the hardest time they can remember you operating
3: we've mm. got you know we like we're considered a luxury Going out, but the rest of Europe, I read somewhere, like they they treat it as an essential thing to go and, yeah. and go out and have a life yeah. you know we, we get punished because we want to go out and have drinks with our friends and have a good time and the government looked down on that
0: well it's it's for you know from a variety of reasons it's good isn't it for well-being from a loneliness point of view from a societal sort of socialization point of view and also for the economy you know mm. you think of all the money that is you want people out you want people spending you want that money you going want happy because they want the tax from it mm. yeah you want happy like, you know, people in your economy. Mm.
1: Well, look at but when the everything opened up after COVID. One, how busy everyone was because every, because from a customer point of view, everyone was desperate for that socialisation aspect yeah. that they couldn't have and the amount of money that was generated.
0: Maybe they're worried that we're all going to be in pubs plotting revolution. That's
3: what mm. they Mate, like, you know, we've never had one in this country, have we? we do you ever have a revolution in this country? Yeah, quite a famous one with uh, Oliver oh, Cromwell when Charles. they oh, jumped yeah, off the King's a, I mean, They didn't do nightmare. it really well, though. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I don't I'm, know. I'm I'm th- talking. I, think, I think
0: Charles I might disagree agree with well, that he was did, pretty you know, uh,
3: yeah I know you'd under tree and all that. Mm-hmm. Um but you know we this government has absolutely taken them, and you read those, those messages during lockdown, those things, they've absolutely just taken the piss out of us. Mm. Do you know what I mean? On the science, they weren't following the science. They do, we were just, we've been, and now we're back out, we're getting hit with VAT. Yeah. VAT, that they should have reformed that. That doesn't make sense. Ireland can keep theirs at 9%. Okay, and when it's at its peak, it's at 13.5%. Yeah. Do you know? Uh, hospitality
0: do, is creating one in five jobs. Yeah, yeah and we can't came, not, uh, we, buy, of we
3: buy fruit and veg and meat and all that. Yeah. We pay no VAT on it. We cook it, you know. It just then we have to pay the VAT. You know, Mm. customers don't know that you're giving 20%. They go, "That's expensive." Well, not really. 20% 20% goes straight to HMRC.
0: You mm, mm. can't, you know. I mean, the, the, the only... The, the, I mean, we can get bogged down in negatives, and, and, and it is hard. Give me some positives. Um, well, January, February trade, generally speaking, for most operators, are reporting pretty solid summer reporting. Yeah. Turno- best they've ever turnover had.
3: Turnover, Edward Tenet, the old saying, turnover for vanity, profit for sanity. You can um, do a lot of money, and yes, then you go and look at your bottom line. Can and I... Have...
0: Let me flip that on its head. Yeah. And if you didn't have that trade, then you really would be fine. Oh, no, totally. Do you know what so I mean? Right. There's, a, there's a balance in there that, that if we can, we, we're expecting the trade to be terrible and the cost to go through the roof and we would see a lot more operators going under. Yeah. Yes, we're all having to run a lot faster to stand still because that that trade, we're, we're sort of watching that trade coming in and going, we're not really making any money off it. But if that trade wasn't coming in, we'd see a we, lot we, more we, shut we, businesses. We, I
3: think hospitality in this country, the pub culture, it almost needs to have a, like a, a cultural status that's important for the economy. Mm. And we need to get treated with that respect because they, they look at us like we are. Are the devil. But if we got treated with, like, okay, we want a good pub, uh, you know, pub operations in this country because we want people to come abroad and see how vibrant and lively Mm. the UK is. You come here now and you go, oh, let's go to the pub. Oh, they don't have Monday, Tuesdays. Or they don't have a chef, they're not doing food. Like, you know what I
0: mean? We need English heritage to take over all the pubs in the UK is what you're
3: saying but we need you know to, we, no one's investing right now no, because no one can afford to invest so you know, all the other people who have who have worked carpenters and plumbers and everything no one's you know what I mean the cost of doing building anything is expensive
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's, it's tough well on that uh, bright cheerful positive note from our resident Aussie um, let's uh, move on and talk about coffee You're listening to the Lock In Podcast, and we're talking about coffee and pubs. It's fair to say that pubs have a complicated historical relationship with coffee. I'm delighted to welcome top author Pete Brown to chat about some of that. So welcome, Pete. Hello. Good to have you with us. Um, So if we go back far enough... Coffee once represented a pretty serious step to the pub trade, with coffee shops springing up in the 17th and 18th century and being touted as a more cerebral alternative to the, the alehouse. That means that more intelligent people would drink in a coffee house here Thank than a, th- than th- a th- pub. Thanks, Ed. Good, thanks. I just I'd like to keep you keep you involved. Uh, uh, fast forward to a few hundred years, and once again pubs are being have been caught napping by the rise of Starbucks, etc., uh, ignoring the coffee opportunity and leaving the door open to others. Some of which we'll be talking to. Operated later in the uh, in the show about that. Um, so, Pete, let's let's just start. I mean, give us a bit of a potted history of, of coffee houses and, and pubs. Why, where where did they come from? What what what's that all about?
4: So, coffee came into Europe. It's kind of got a long history in Islam because it was. You've got to remember, I think in all of this that coffee is a drug um, mm. and like you know it has effects like drugs, like alcohol, and hashish do. And in the uh, in the Mem- it's considered a more wholesome drug because it's stimulating rather than making you lazy, like uh, hash and uh, alcohol did. It came to Europe uh, in the 1640s, uh, 1650s, and the first coffee houses in London opened uh, around 1652. And there were taverns previously to that. Uh, so coffee was first served in taverns. Um, it caught on very quickly, so then purpose built coffee houses started first in the capital. Uh, and then spread out to other cities and it was kind of I think with every new drug that's come in that's challenged alcohol um, there's always been a massive backlash against it first um, straight after someone's off saying it's, it's the best thing since sliced bread so there was one tract in 6621 saying it uh, is extolled for drying up the crudities of the stomach and for expelling fumes out of the head excellent berry <laughs> Uh, and then by 1674, the Women's Petition Against Coffee declared the excessive use of that newfangled, abominable, heathenish liquor called coffee has eunuched our husbands and crippled our more kind gallants that they've become as impotent as age.
0: Did he wife right that? Far out. <laughs> sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the, it's interesting. You 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 said that. You, I mean, you're right. It's a drug, Keith. Um, how many espressos did you say did you had this morning? Uh, five. Yeah, yeah five. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that's good for you. So, I mean, this this is a new thing to market. It's obviously exciting. It's it and it really really sort of um, uh, took hold, didn't it?
4: Yeah, and I think the thing is, I did some of the old coffee houses in London uh, at the weekend, and where they took off, it was really around what's, what's now become the city of London.
5: Mm.
4: And it, it's all about the flow of information. So, where London Bridge is now, the ships used to come up there, and that was the first time information came to the country. So, whether the battles had been won or lost, or emperors had died, or you know, some of these ships come back from India, it a six month journey. Mm. And so, Shares invested in various companies or projects or things like that. You're standing on London Bridge, you're kind of shouting at the sailors on the ships, and then you're running to the coffee houses to kind of either buy more of this stock or sell more of that stock, uh, conspiring, kind of planning and stuff. And and it's it's a bit off because it it's that kind of business like. Endeavor, if you imagine sitting there plotting and conspiring and selling and buying and making bills and stuff, um, coffee stimulated the process. Mm. It made people feel more energized. Whereas in the tavern, if you're having a pint or a glass of wine, it's like, oh, you know what? Let's leave that till tomorrow. Let's just kind of <laughs> put that off. <laughs> and, and so coffee became associated with this kind of slide of doing things. It's, it's still got that if you look at it. Um, it's like, I'm going to meet over a coffee, we're going to make some plans, we're going to do, do this kind of thing.
0: You're going to have that business meeting over a coffee rather than a pint, unless you're your Heath and I, I so. it's Generally, a a um, yeah, well, I mean that, that's fascinating because the, the coffee houses have a have a, uh, a well documented relationship with the with the explosion in, in newspapers and, and training. In fact, and to a certain extent, the Morning Advertiser our our publication was a, was a reaction to that. It was the pub's response to um, the, mm. the coffee houses having their news sheets and things like that. So uh, we tended to focus more on the racing and the sport than uh, the uh, <laughs> stocks and trades, which probably tells you more. Mm. about uh, what goes on in the pub, but <laughs> I digress. I mean, and of course, without coffee houses, we wouldn't never have had uh, private clubs, as I believe the coffee houses evolved into clubs to, uh, to keep the riffraff out, and I think that's something you've covered in your uh, latest book, uh, Pete, Clubland, Blatant Plug Alert. Do you know, it is. <laughs> <laughs>
4: um, I mean, this is the thing, that the coffee houses used to be called Penny Universities, because you could buy a copy for a penny and you could sit there and listen to all these learned men and philosophical uh, discussions and these business discussions. And, and the thing about private members' clubs was it wasn't about who can be a member, it was about who you can keep. Right. And, yeah. and so, given that these discussions were quite high uh, stakes, and, and also there's a lot of fashion involved in it as well. If you're a particular dandy or character in London. It's like, oh, the best place to be seen is in this coffee house here rather than this one. That's all the cool people go there. And then the cool people go, Well we've got the riffraff in so they, the, the the customers pressured the coffee house owners into creating private members' clubs, uh, and, that, and that's where they came from. And of course, private members' clubs. Uh, I, I love the fact that the term "gentleman's club." Now means something different. Uh, <laughs> it, it used to mean that a club frequented by gentlemen, and, and then that was the model for the working men's clubs in the in the mid nineteenth uh, century. Said, "Well, working class men need places like this as well, uh, where they can kind of." Uh, go for self improvement. And, and again, interestingly, the, the, the working men's clubs originally uh, were meant to be alcohol free. They were meant to place where people went to go and drink tea and coffee. Uh, and when the working men got hold of them, <laughs> they very quickly reversed. Uh, when they got to this place to come and drink cheap beer uh, and so the club became a, a rival to the pubs again. so
0: again it became yeah so uh, that's fascinating isn't it because uh, the, yeah that, that's that's a competitor again I mean why do you think you know I mean we look at the current market and the fact we've got you know all these coffee chains and this why have pubs never really got to grips with the concept of coffee
4: I mean, it's a really really good question that uh, I've been thinking about um, when I've got into pubs and asked for a coffee they've said, if they don't serve decent coffee they've said we but open a coffee house mm. um, and, and there's something in that I mean, it, at the time when someone says that to you you think well you're not moving with the times you're losing custom you, you know, you're, you're being uh, a bit blinking about this but, but the nature changes because the drug is different, the atmosphere is different, and, and atmosphere is what pubs are all about. So, you know, you might have a work meeting in a pub over a pint. But if it is, it's a say, we're taking this down a notch, we're going informal, uh, we, we, we're getting into the hierarchy, we, we, we're very much being relaxed. Mm. We have meetings in coffee houses, people get their laptops out, uh, and, it, and it's, it's all energised up. So the atmosphere of a pub Different from a coffee shop, and and I think I do think that's something pubs need to get to grips with. That, and they are getting to grips with is that you know, as a freelancer, I find myself, say, I've got a meeting in town at eleven, and I've got a meeting in town at four. I want somewhere to sit with my laptop between those two meetings. And, and if I'm in business mode, um, a, a coffee shop is is more conducive to that than a pub is, I'm afraid.
0: Yeah, yeah. Although uh, I mean, I'm 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 very much an advocate for we should pubs should be tapping into that because you you yeah. can be all things to all men. This is this is a thing. I mean, he's you you you've improved your coffee offer because it was shocking. Um, it's, <laughs> I mean, would you welcome people sat in your pub with laptops and yeah, having like, heated you know, business yeah, meetings over a cup of coffee? Not
3: on a Sunday lunch and you know <laughs> trying to turn covers. But <laughs> yeah, you want people. That's why you know that's why about the coffee offer because I think there's an opportunity there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean. And I think you can't if you've got really good coffee i think they're gonna they're gonna come to you especially if you're surrounded by really shit coffee houses so yeah you want you want to be busy don't you you want bums on seats also
1: like now with people working from home more and a lot of businesses and pub companies are asking people to come and work from the pub rather than work from home so Mm. those people aren't gonna well they might do (laughs) but are unlikely to probably be drinking (laughs) pints all day while they're working from their laptop in a pub so yeah. They're going to be drinking hot drinks like coffee, so it's got to be good just to keep them there. And keep
4: yeah. Them back. I, I do find that when I'm working in a pub, cause I, I do prefer to work in a pub than a coffee yeah. shop if I can. But I think, oh, I'll be all right with one pint. <laughs> and, and then I, I get another one. And then I, then I find that I'm starting to have a bit of trouble typing my email. You, know? <laughs> you,
0: you, <laughs> suddenly, you suddenly find your pros is improving. Is that the. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Pete, What? What? Well, I'm just conscious of time, so that's the last question, really, but what, what do you think, what lessons can pubs learn from, from history when it comes to coffee, or, or is there nothing to be learned?
4: I, I, I think it's just about accepting it. Really, you know, uh, coffee shops have been around for you know nearly 400 years. They're not going to go anywhere. Um, and the best pubs that I've ever been in are, are chameleon pubs. They change their atmosphere and their function throughout the day. Uh, I don't see any difficulty with being a bit more business-like in the day. Maybe not the whole place, you know, if you've got a big enough club. Uh and, and a bit more kind of down in the evening. And I'm, I'm just remembering, well, thinking about this, the Titanic have got this new concept called mm. board. Yes. And it's, I mean, it's like when you look at those pictures where I can't tell if it's two people kissing or a vase, or I can't tell if it's a duck or a rabbit. Yeah. You go to a board and you you look at it and you go, Looks like a pub. No, it looks like a coffee shop. It's really kind of halfway in between. Yeah, and it's not somewhere you want to go for your, you know, a big birthday party or something, or lunch. But but for that kind of middle of the day occasion. Um, it, it's showing. I think you can kind of and the tool a
0: little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and well named, shape because we are speaking to uh, Keith Bolt later uh, from uh, Titanic and Bod, who's going to give us his views on that as well. So, uh, but that is all we've got time for, Pete. But thank you very much for that. You're listening to the Lock In Podcast with myself, Ed Beddington, Heath Ball and Nikki Thatcher. And we're talking coffee and pubs in this episode. Uh, we've heard about the history, now let's take a look at the present. The coffee market is a big sector. According to my epic Googling skills, the out-of-home coffee market is worth around $1.6 billion in the UK. Jeez. But Rather than allowing me to spout figures, I might as well have asked Heath to make up. We've got a proper expert with us right now. So, Flora Zulinski, Senior Insight Manager at Luminar Intelligence. So, Flora, thank you for joining us. And was I or Google or Heath right? What is the UK out-of-home coffee market worth?
6: You are absolutely bang on. Wow. So, very good Googling skills you've got there. Excellent. Um, <laughs> just to put that into context a bit, mm. um, coffee occasions account for 20% of all out-of-home occasions. So, it really is massive. Mm. And on average, 13% of the adult population have a out-of-home coffee occasion every week. So, it's right. really huge.
0: That's, I mean, Eve, were, were you stunned by those figures? I mean, get off your phone for one thing.
3: I was <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, just Googling. Um. Yeah, no, I'm... Um, yeah, I suppose no, not stunned. I think you, coffee shops are not always busy, aren't they? Yeah. General. So yeah, I'm not stunned. I mean, you,
0: you've had eight espressos already. Five, so. uh, uh, it's, uh, I I mean, i am a, a junkie. Tearing <laughs> um, I mean, we're obviously seeing a real squeeze on disposable income as well at the moment. Um, is coffee one of those luxuries that people are knocking on the head, um, or is it holding up, Flora? What's what what's happening with that?
6: Yeah, it's really interesting, actually. There's quite a lot of different push and pull factors at play with coffee in the out-of-home market. Um, So, generally speaking, coffee's quite a low-cost occasion compared to some of the other out-of-home occasions you can have. It's also quite habitual. So, because it's this lower spend, it's much more palatable to continue doing in these times of economic hardship. The other thing that's actually benefiting the coffee market at the moment is, compared to last year, we've got a higher footfall in city centres and in high streets and stuff as Well, so, of course, that's going to benefit it. Um, but we're also seeing coffee shops open more in suburban and rural, uh, perhaps not rural, but suburban and residential locations to mm. tap into that hybrid working. So, again, something that's really benefiting the market. And then you see these big operators such as Pret launch their subscription models, yeah. um, which really does deliver mm. value to the customers and shoppers and enables them to continue that purchase. Um, But, of course, we are in this um, time at the moment of the cost of living crisis, really high inflation, and actually coffee's one of the... Uh, Areas that's seen some of the highest inflation. So the wholesale price of coffee beans has increased quite a lot because of some quite poor harvests. So coffee's getting more expensive and then we're also seeing some shoppers drop certain out-of-home occasions, particularly ones that are more easy to replicate at home. And you've probably seen over the past few years there's been an awful lot of premiumization in the take-home coffee market. Mm. So both from the likes of pods and coffee machines, but you see all these big players now embrace their sort of omnichannel strategy, mm. and be at Pret, Starbucks, Costa, sell their coffee beans and ground coffee for um, their shoppers and customers to have a pretty equivalent quality, I suppose, maybe a little bit less, mm. um, in the comfort of their home for much less cost. Yeah. So of course, all of this is having a bit of an impact on the number of coffee occasions in the out-of-home market. It was actually over summer where inflation exceeded 10%. We didn't have any announcement of support from the government around our energy bills. And we started to see some quite stark behavior changes um, in the out-of-home market and coffee was custom to this as well so we did see coffee occasions drop that's mm. not unusual for coffee occasions to drop over summer of course it's a bit warmer um but they did drop to a greater extent than we have seen in the past or that, and we'd expect okay um but i suppose positively as you go into autumn the weather gets a bit colder you see the launch of all of these um like festive and exciting drinks and occasions pick back up so Thinking in the most recent 12 weeks and compare it to a year ago, the levels of occasions are pretty comparable, down ever so slightly, but less than
0: 1%. Right, okay. And it's interesting, I mean, that, that, that cost of a coffee, I mean, what, what, do, you, what do you charge for a coffee
3: here? Like we're in Highgate. Uh, true.
0: <laughs> I think I'm four quid for a flat
3: white, four quid for a latte. <sighs> Wow! Oh wow! I'm, I'm not love using. You. Listen, I'm using quality
0: coffee. I mean, I'm that's, use, I'm that's not as, much as a pint of Carling, uh, isn't it? Mate,
3: yeah. I'm using proper <laughs> coffee. Yeah.
0: This, yeah. Is not, yeah. this is not. This is not mid cafe. This is you know premium. I, coffee. I guess that, I mean, I, I mean, organic I touched, milk. Flora touched on the fact you know it it's it, it's a cheaper thing, but no, it, it's not as. I mean, it, it has yeah. gone up a lot. You go into what's a Starbucks you know, for a coffee now. I don't drink Starbucks. what oh, I'm saying it's not um, cheap. No, no, exactly. Shit well, there, you go. To, well. You go to Cafe Nerd or Nero, whatever it's called. You go oh. in there. You know, it's three pound fifty, £3.60 So, what,
3: you give me shit it's, for a four quid coffee. Because it's fun. <laughs>
0: it's fun. I like winding you up. Um, I mean, the what about the pub market, Flora? You know, where where do uh, where do pubs sit? What kind of share of the market do they have within that that out of home coffee?
6: Yeah, so at the moment, pretty small. So mm. at the moment, pubs have uh, less than a 4% share of all coffee occasions. And as I'm sure you can imagine, the majority of this is dominated by Wetherspoons. Um, right. Of course, they're quite big at breakfast. Mm. Um, and uh, pubs and bars' kind of total, coffee, uh, total share of occasions is 14.5%. So it is, it is much smaller. But I think there's plenty of opportunities for them to engage further.
0: And. Um. I mean, where, what you talk about opportunities there? So what are the growth opportunities? What can they do to tap into this?
6: Well, I think some of the biggest opportunities really do just come from driving footfall. Mm. So, you know, pubs face an awful lot of challenges at the moment, and one of them is just lower footfall and, and shoppers really trying to, trying to cut back. But by engaging in the coffee market more... You can start to drive more midday, mid-morning, footfall occasions, particularly midweek perhaps as well. So maybe times when a lot of pubs might be closed or might generally just have, you know, generally quite lower occasions and lower footfall. Um, and I actually think there could be quite a lot of opportunities here in more rural locations. Right. Um, I know when I used to work in a pub when I was younger and they um, suddenly bought a coffee machine, we suddenly started having people coming in for a coffee before midday, be it on their dog walk or before or after a dog walk. And while footfall wasn't huge, they were incremental occasions and it was incremental spend mm. that just yeah. simply did not exist before.
0: Yes. Yeah. So
6: that was really great. But I mean, plenty of urban, um, more urban uh, opportunities within this as well. I think Albion and East have um, done really, really well in this field, and they're a really good example of a player who's really established themselves in this space. Mm. I think they were quite quick to capitalize on that hybrid working, and now they offer this hot desking where there's super fast Wi Fi, they've got all these plug sockets, and you can get bottomless coffee for um, monthly, daily, or weekly passes.
0: Right, okay. See, I knew we should have got Sarah on to talk about that, Heath, and you said no.
6: <laughs> no, you <said> no. <laughs>
0: And, and what, what would you say are the challenges then? What, what's, uh, what's, what's, what's inhibiting this?
6: Well, I guess the biggest challenge is the fact that pubs aren't thought of for coffee, are they? They're thought of for beer. And there's an awful lot of very well-established, incredible players in the coffee market. It's very competitive. And all of these brands and operators whose bread and butter literally is just coffee. Mm. So, For example, there's loads of, um, I suppose, quite unique operators within this. There's the Roasting Plant Coffee. Not sure if you've been, but if you haven't, it's a great coffee shop. When you go in, you don't just buy an Americano or a latte. latte. You you choose your coffee, but then you also choose which bean type you want as well. They've got them all upon the wall. There's a little description around them all, around uh, where they've come from, around their flavor profiles. You choose which one you want. They come shooting down through these tubes. They get freshly ground to order and made for you. It's very experiential and personalized. As well, so pubs are never going to be able to compete with something like that. But so long as they have a good quality coffee machine with high quality coffee, and it's really marketed around it being better than some of these chains coffees and some better than some of these coffee on the high street, Mm. I think they have a really good opportunity to do quite well. Of course, you need to make sure you've got signage and marketing outside your coffee shops that outside your pub saying we're open, we sell good quality coffee, and all of this. But I think those challenges can be overcome with time
0: yeah i mean heath you're um you've you've recently improved your coffee offer i mean is this something that you're um you can see sort of that growth is that something you're going to be going after
3: yeah i think i'll like i'm just sort of waiting for the weather gets a bit better but i'll go after the early morning mums and parents on the way to school to drop the kids off and i'll start doing takeaway coffees in the morning i think there's an opportunity there because all the coffee places in the in the the highgate are pretty rubbish, so I think I'll do takeaway coffees and try and go for that market in the morning.
0: I mean, operationally, is that how difficult yeah, is we're, that? Because you're here you, anyway. You, but I mean, I guess if you suddenly found yourself being, you know, the easy place to go for coffee, oh great. Well, I mean, great. Yeah, but just can you cope with that demand? Because yeah, you're you talking. You just, just hire another member staff to work. You'll, you will know, but you might have to invest in, in machine, extra machines. No, or, no you won't. Right? I've got my machine
3: no. now is powerful enough to. Like you know,
0: I can't see us doing you thousands. You? Yeah, but,
3: yeah. but I'll do it. I'll just do takeaway yeah. in the morning before we open, mm. and then push that. And then hopefully, that gets words out. And you know, mm. think yeah, definitely. Mm.
0: Mm. I think, yes. you know Why not? And a um, floor of conscious of time, so we're we're going to wrap up with this one. But what are the key trends uh, we're seeing in coffee that that pubs should have on their radar?
6: Yeah, so I think there's a, a couple. Um, one of them perhaps definitely isn't new, but certainly pubs need to be um, embracing it, is plant-based milk. So about 20% of all coffee occasions that have milk now are plant-based. And it's very much the oat milk that dominates here. But it has to be a good quality barista oat milk that doesn't separate in your coffee when you have it. Um, but we're fast seeing the emergence of new types of vegetable and plant-based milks. I think you can make milk out of just about anything these days. You got potato milks and Why would milk. you want potato
0: milks. I mean, come
3: on. <laughs> oh my milk, god, this is disgusting.
6: That's well, but I suppose Oh, I was say building on that, the other trend I was going to talk about is more vegetable-based coffees as well. Huh? Now, this is actually <laughs> quite small at the moment. You don't really see it in the big changed, but you do start to see it in um, in some of the independents. And actually, I was thinking earlier, when I was at Glastonbury, I saw it on quite a few oh. um, of the little coffee stands there. But in particular, mushroom coffee. What? Um, oh, um, come, come on.
7: I, You've been smoking no, something. I,
6: <laughs> I can really start to see this emerge um, further. So, one thing that mushroom coffee enables is a slightly lower caffeine intake. So some of them actually have no caffeine in them, but the vast majority of them, it's mushrooms I mean, mixed with coffee hold beans. Hold on, hold on. Hang on. need five no, 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 espressos in, no, no, in the no, morning. No, 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 no.
0: There's no caffeine, and you're basically drinking stewed mushrooms. Oh, <laughs> it's <laughs> mushroom. oh, Those kind of mushrooms. Yeah, I'm in. No, Let's no. order some.
3: I mean.
6: You'd be surprised at how similar the flavour profile is. No, no. Mm. I was quite surprised when I tried it. But the other thing that um, almost gives us a bit of an edge is of course you're not just blending up a chestnut mushroom or portobello mushroom it uses the more sort of medicinal mushrooms so things like lion's mane magic Magic
0: mushrooms yeah
6: yeah (laughs) maybe (laughs) um and obviously these have these health benefits associated with them as well so it's supposed to be really good for immunity but also reducing anxiety as well so Mm. small at the moment but i think these added health benefits and the fact that it's lower caffeine could see it start to um, emerge further into the market
0: fantastic there you go Heath you, you're in on I'm the ground googling, floor man, I'm here. googling I'm here I'm here the millionaires in Highgate will be come embracing and, come, and, come and trip your balls lap. off in Highgate there we go <laughs>
6: <laughs> well, I wonder if that's another benefit as well. You know, mushroom coffee isn't um, uh, reliant on the wholesale price of coffee beans, which fluctuates ah, quite oh, a lot. There you but go. Mushrooms that's are much it. easier to grow and can grow in more locations than coffee beans.
0: Cheaper, yeah. You can grow them in your cellar. I've been there. It's uh, full the mushrooms. Grow,
3: I can grow <laughs>
6: mushrooms. <laughs>
3: uh, I've seen this. It's all going to go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I got I mean, the police are raiding my I mean, place.
0: On the more serious point, though, have you, are you? you? what do you do on the milk side? Are you? No, we've um, no, we got oaks. Yeah. You got oats, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you yeah. actually getting the breaster stuff, the good shit? Yeah, yeah, I'm getting it, good uh, stuff. You have yeah, yeah. cut corners, Dang it right. <laughs> you You know that's not true. <laughs> right. Anyway, uh, this pub is now rapidly filling up with customers, uh, and it's getting very noisy. So I am going to uh, uh, end this one here. But Flora, thank you very much for that. Uh, some really good insight there. Yeah, you
6: know. No problem at all. Thanks
0: so much for having me. Cheers. This is the Lock In Podcast and we're taking a look at the coffee market and the opportunity for pubs in this episode help us do that we've got a great operator keith Bott of titanic brewery who runs the bod cafe cafe bar chain and we've got the top supplier richard frazier of workshop coffee who supplies some of the leading operators in the uk so um keith let's start with you um explain Bod to us because uh, i mean you're you're known for titanic brewery um what what is bod and uh, is this a new concept
8: yeah, we're relatively. New. We've got a, a few years at it, but but uh, really, it's around. It started around finding the right sites for us to operate community uh, bars from. And one of the opportunities that we we recognised was that if you add uh, great beer and great coffee and great food, great snacks, you can actually create something that, that the trading hours are significantly longer than a pub. Um, right. I mean to some extent we've tried everything to get people to come into our pubs before midday um, and nobody seems to want to go in a pub Um, but if you call it a cafe bar and, and do some fantastic coffee, you could be trading it from 8 in the morning through till 11 o'clock at night as a normal pub. So that increased trading allow you to take the money you need.
0: Do you think that's, I mean, I think that's a factor of, 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 or a symptom of the fact that pubs are not really particularly well-known for coffee and we've not done a great job with it? So people don't automatically think of when they think, well, let's go out and have mm. a coffee. They're not going to go to a pub
8: i think so yeah no yeah. i think it is it is a lot, a lot about that that sort of early in the day reluctance to go into to go into pubs and i don't know how we break that cycle because it's not uh, not easy i don't think it's just down to doing great coffee um it's getting into people's psyche that, that a pub's as nice a place to sit in in the morning as it is late in the evening with a beer and and you know how we do that i don't know
0: mm, mm, that's a fair point i mean you're 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 your you like doing coffee you're big on coffee yeah I, mean, I, like, I suppose that's where I got in touch
3: with Richard at workshop because I got complacent with the coffee offer we had and then I realised it got really dated and I hadn't moved on with the coffee offer mm-hmm. and then I was having a conversation with um, Clive and he suggested workshop coffee and then you know it's more expensive than I was using but when you start drinking it you go oh my god it's so much better mm-hmm. and then you know it's now our customers know we're doing a better quality coffee they come in for coffees now do you know what I mean? I think
0: it helps. Yeah, I mean, Richard, let's bring bring you I mean, you you you, you supply a, a, you supply a lot of restaurants. Do you supply many pubs other than Heath's, obviously? Um,
7: I have to say, Heath is sort of definitely on the more pioneering side of of. Um, oh, he's high don't, quality, don't say that. I mean, bro- he's like raised
0: his arms in the air so and he's, he's doing a little dance. Head inflated. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, um,
7: but no, I I think we've definitely seen a shift in our type of customer and who is is coming to us and who we're having conversations with and I think that there's more there's a broader market it's not just specialty cafes it's not just um, specialty coffee bars in trendier parts of cities and what have you we are seeing hotels we're seeing pubs we're seeing restaurants still um there's still quite a shift to happen in my opinion within quite a few restaurants in terms of um focus on quality but Mm. yeah it's been interesting to see the the shift broadly but pubs wise i think there's still not a huge amount of pubs that we supply to be completely
0: do you i mean how how do you view the 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 coffee offer in pubs is it is it good bad indifferent what what's what's your general sense
7: be honest, I think to sort of deem it good or bad is probably too, too damning. I think really what it is is generally overlooked. I mm. think it's mm. the same in some restaurants, it's the same in some hotels as well. It's one of those things that's sort of quite a way um, down the list of things to look at. Um, I think that's quite interesting in places like pubs, hotels, restaurants because provenance has been bumps and becomes such a focus in so many ways in so many areas you know where's your where are your fresh fruit and vegetables where is your meat coming from where's your fish coming from who am i buying my wine and beer from how far are they from me how are they actually making them they're all being considered and put under the microscope but coffee is looked at in a slightly different way it's not necessarily seen as an ingredient in the same way mm. um it's you know, it, it is a commodity. Um, broadly speaking, so there is that element um, still at play but like everything else that's on the menu in in pubs, etc um, the quality getting something great out I means starting with something great at the very beginning of the process, you can't make something good great, um, so yeah, I think that's probably part of the barrier. It's just, it's just not being thought about or considered mm. at the moment as an ingredient. And there's perhaps a little bit of opacity as to how you actually um, make your coffee better. Is it yeah. the machine? Is it um, what you're using? Is it the skill of the staff? Or is it the ingredient itself? There are a number of factors uh, at play there as well. Keith, I mean, what, how, how do you approach it? I mean, what, what, what's, what's
0: your view? Do you put a lot of emphasis on the coffee? Um, tell us about it.
8: Yeah, we've we've had a real journey since we started, on, um, learning about coffee, understanding just what the opportunities look like, and and how we can develop that offer and and create something interesting. We've been working with a local roaster who's uh, providing fabulous training for our team, and, and, and you know we're we're developing the whole offer. What that's done is led to our pubs doing coffee much better right. because yeah, they were, sat, they were sat exactly. Um, as we've all been saying with, with a really poor coffee offer and we can actually do it quite well now because we've got people who know what they're doing we've got the right ingredients we've got the right opportunity so mm. the coffee in the restaurant has improved dramatically because of our involvement with, the, with Pod Cafe I
0: mean I, I kind of I've, I've said for a number of years it's almost like I feel like pubs sort of sat there and napped and let the coffee chains come in and the, and the cafe, and just let them take that market away from us. I mean, is that a is that a fair a fair summary? And and, and if so, are we are we almost sort of sort of closing the door after the horse has bolted with uh, with with looking at coffee? Should we seed that ground or should we should we be fighting back?
8: I think when you when you look at it, I don't know if we ever had that trade in, in pubs. I'm trying to think back if, if you know you could even get a cup of coffee in in any of the pubs. I remember the first pub I worked in. Uh, we had some of those lovely plastic filters that you put on top of a cup and poured hot water through yeah. and made a reasonable cup of coffee. Um, and that was about that was that, that, you know that's a long time ago. But it, we used to tot what big glass for I mean, you know, as you say, some of it some of it we bring on ourselves in pubs. Um, but recognising opportunity and recognising the chance to, to grow our business and diversify has to be something we look at with with um, Real passion, and if we can make up the place to go and sit and have a have a great cup of coffee, great cup of tea, whatever whatever it is, um, at, a, at a time of day that we don't normally train, mm-hmm. then that that's. A, a fantastic opportunity for the pubs across the
0: UK. Absolutely. Uh, Nikki. you're a big fan of, um, uh, Heath, thank you for that. Do you want to turn your no, It wasn't mine. I wasn't oh, it son. It's usually you though, isn't it? And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Nicky, I mean, you're a big fan of customers asking for coffee when you worked in the pub. Aren't you? Yeah,
1: well, it's funny, Keith, what you used to say because we, I used to tell people like when I worked in the pub, oh no, we've not got any milk, sorry, you'll have to thank Elsa Or Nikki, um, I did, I did because, I, terrible. because I was like, who, like, what are you doing coming in on a Friday night asking for a coffee have something else I mean like.
0: I'm, I'm glad to know that you've maintained your work no, this, ethic the uh, <laughs> from there with me as well I mean this, that's
1: yeah I don't make your coffee either um, <laughs> this was obviously a long time ago um, but it's, yeah I think it could be it, it obviously is some, an area that pubs need to get better at or look yeah. into a bit more because like, like Keith said it's, it's a whole part, different part of the day that opens up another revenue stream mm. that that is much needed. Well, I think yeah. if you
3: use also, I think if you use really good quality coffee, like we use in Workshop, it's different from the high street Starbucks, where they it just gives you a, yeah, a, a it's a USP, USP, USP. isn't it? Yeah, they, yeah. they they appreciate mm. that you've actually thought about the offer. Mm. You
0: know, we, we've upgraded our machine, new grinder, um, and it's just people well, did. I guess every, that was that was what Weatherbites tried to do, wasn't it? They they did the deal with Lavazza, which was seen as a as a premium coffee, was it? <laughs> but then it was seen as a premium <laughs> coffee, and then they completely sunk that brand quite
3: quickly. But um, I think if you like, it shows like Richard was saying. It shows you caring about all the aspects, your fruit and veg, like all the products, the supplies we use are all quality. And then you know the one thing I never really looked at was the coffee because I looked at it 15 years ago, and then it wasn't. Till recently, I revisited it and I went, What am I doing? The world's moved, yes, and yeah. I'm being left behind, yeah. So, you
0: know, I mean, we we talk with you, you've talked about this, Richard, and, and you said, You know, uh, think about the, the ingredient and getting the ingredient right. I mean, then you can go into to uh, to, to coffee shops and they'll ask you what blends you'd like and you know, where, where the beans, the source and the origins, and all this kind of thing. And most pubs just ask you whether you want it white or black. <laughs> um, I mean, how important, how far should pubs be thinking about going down some of these roads? Because I'm actually, it's 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 a myriad of, of options out there if they want to. I mean, is, how complicated do they need to make it?
7: I think the short answer is always as complicated as you want it to be. Mm. I think um, we, we're always of the approach that, well, first of all, I don't think the specialty coffee industry has done itself any favours in the last 10 years because I think there is a kind of bit of baggage um, from a we've tried to define ourselves by as much as anything else what we're not and who we're not and therefore what we don't do and i always refer back to some of the mcdonald's um, McCafe adverts that sort of did the rounds a few years ago they do tap into something um you know fairly true about how people see um see parts of the industry so we've always taken the approach meet people where they are It's great that we can go all the way back to origin and where and who we buy these coffees from. And we can tell you the altitude. We can tell you the processing methods that they were underwent, how um, long they were fermented for. You know, we can go into as much detail as we possibly want. But the reality is we also run coffee bars and people come in each day and they want a cappuccino. Yeah. That's yeah. what they want. Yeah. And it, it might be from Ecuador one month and it might be from Nicaragua or Peru another. Yeah. Um, what's important to them is that it's delicious and it tastes great every day. Yeah, apologies. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just made a bolt for the door there on the Yeah. <laughs> um, they, want, <laughs> they want something that uh, they've had. Sorry, let me just deal with him
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> the nicest possible way. Keith, I mean, while while Richard is wrestling the dog to the floor and pinning it down, um, how important to you is, is 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 that kind of stuff? You know, the, the blend and the uh, where it's from. Do you do you focus in on that, or is it just a case of you go, it's good coffee?
8: There's a there's a there's a real intensity to to how far you can take things, and, mm. and you know, every customer has a different view of what they're trying to uh, trying to get to mm. um, we we have picked a, a blend of coffee which we rely on our roaster to give us uh, the same thing every time that mm. we think is great yeah and I think it's great if customers want to more interest in that and mm. and, and drive to, to trying different things, and then maybe that's something we need to look at as, as I become slightly more cosmopolitan um, in my outlook from a traditional beer brewer. Um, but if, but if um, it, we, we, we all have shocks as we as we try new things, um, but I do think we can we can um, help the customer to decide why they want to choose things, and, mm. and that really is important. A big role for, for pubs going forward yeah. Yeah. is that information. That, yeah, and uh, why we don't probably yeah.
0: now. I guess it's. I mean, it's. It's not too dissimilar to wine, is it, Rich? I suppose you can. You can be. Uh, you can offer you know, a very simple red, white, rose offer, yeah. or you can be very sophisticated, and you can be like Keith, which is completely incomprehensible and uh, uh, everything under the very geeky and, and, and into that kind of thing. To, to and it's what your customers want. So I suppose if you want to be like that. Coffee is is also uh, a, a market you can do that with.
7: I think so. I think there's definitely that level of depth and breadth available, but also what we find is that it's a great staff engagement tool at that level. Mm. I think if you can get the team excited, especially when it's a a sort of product that often gets tagged onto, say a meal or what have you, Mm. if the staff and the team are excited about what they're presenting, Mm. they're going to ask the question, you know, can we get you any teas or coffees? Can we, you know we've got a really great espresso on at the moment it's just those small things that means that the people that are at the tables and and with the guests um we find that that makes a pretty um big dent quite quickly when we do sort of switch out from the kind of incumbent coffee roasters uh, that are in in these kinds of places
0: yeah absolutely I, i'm conscious of the time guys i've, I've found you on longer than uh, than i promised you but um one last question um is instant ever acceptable <laughs> General laughter. Richard, go on, go on, Keith, you, you kick off on that one.
8: Then. Hey, I, I'm sure instant has its place. Um, and when we're making coffee in the office, um, that's that's still what people are getting. So um, until we've convinced everybody that they need to go high end, um, I, I, you know, there are people who genuinely prefer instant. My, my other half. Um, will not drink real coffee. She finds it too intense, too flavourful. Yeah. Um, and I think it'd be happy if we could find a jar of Mellow Birds somewhere <laughs> at the back of the cupboard. Everybody <laughs>
0: would be happy. It's all, that's always the go to, isn't it? I think uh, I, mean, I, must admit, I think the instant coffee has, has changed a lot lately as well. You can get much better instant coffee than you could have got in the past. Um, he's looking at me like he wants to stab me in the face. <laughs> but, um, uh, there we go. Uh, on that note, guys, uh, thank you very much for your time and we will park that there. This is the Lock In Podcast with myself, Ed Beddington, Nikki Thatcher and Heath Ball. We're talking coffee in this episode. I'm delighted to welcome UCC's Head of Category and Insight to offer his, well, insight, uh, which is rather handy that we've got you. So uh, thank you, uh, Phil Smith uh, from UCC. Um Let's let's focus in on equipment, which is which is pretty key to getting uh, your coffee offer right. Um, what operate? What should operators be thinking about um, when they come to look at equipment and, and invest in this sector?
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's a good question and quite a, a kind of wide-reaching question, really. I mean the there's, there's many many considerations. I mean the, the first one really is. Um, how much really you willing to invest um, staffing-wise and also money into a bit of kit? Uh, because they range from like £4,000 up to £20,000 to really top-end mm. sort of coffee equipment. So the ambition as well, so how, how many coffees are you looking to sell a day, a week, whatever it might be? And perhaps one thing which is you know, more critical in the back bar or, or front bar, wherever it might be, is space. So, you know, big traditional coffee machines take a lot of space, you need space for the machine, the grinder, also the kind of the working environment. So they're kind of become the main considerations. But mostly it's about ambition about how much you want to personally invest in selling coffee.
0: So I mean, Heath, you're you're you're, you're an operator. Yeah. You've got uh, got pubs. What yep. what is what what do you look for? What have you been doing? I've um, just when up, it comes to...
3: Well, I've just upgraded. I rent my equipment off a company, and um, we just upgraded our machine to a new machine. We've Got a two head, two group machine. Got a really good Mythos grinder. Uh, yeah, we just got really like it looks smart. Our equipment looks smart. Works really well. We're busy. We do a lot of coffees. So it's just you know you want solid, well performing kit.
0: Mm. 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 But that space is probably key. And I know you were talking about the lockout the other day about cutting that.
3: Oh yeah, down the other, the down at the other pub. Yeah, we've got a two group down there. We don't need a two group, so I'd probably cut it down to a one group. And, um, I think that's enough. But yeah, space is that's the problem. We're, we're dealing with old venues. A lot of the pubs in this country are really old. So just looking at your coffee needs, you know, probably start small and then upgrade. Yeah. You, it, you know. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, I mean, uh, Phil, you know, you, well Heath mentioned there sort of uh, renting, buying. I mean, what, what's your thoughts on that? Is that uh, is, what should operators be considering? Should they be actually investing in owning the kit or is that a bit of a, a waste of money and time? I mean, it's, it, there's two
2: sides to this really. Obviously, renting kind of spreads the cost. Uh, and you can offset the cost against you know how many copies you want to sell. And your ambition there. The, the benefit of owning is you get buy-in, so you get kind of investment from the staff, from the management, uh, from the area manager, whoever it might be, because it's quite a big capital expense at the start. So if you own your own bit of kit, you know you look, tend to people look look after it better. And you know, half the backing of making decent copies is to make sure the machine is is kind of tip-top clean and you know, and everything else in between. So there's there's kind of benefits and uh, downside. There's also the leasing options, the so lease purchase, which is something that quite a lot of coffee companies um, uh, kind of offer. Which means obviously you spread the cost out, but the machine is yours at the end of a sort of three, ten year whatever it might be. I mean,
0: you're, you're, you're sort of uh, right. Your disagreeing slightly there, Heath. Well, of disagreeing. I think like you,
3: you, you're going to. If you're not ready, you make, you make sure your staff look after the equipment. And we, we clean once a day full clean you know all the power yep. and stuff busy weekend we'll do it twice a day but you just make, you look after it but the, the thing I've found by renting it is when I've gone hey guys my grinder's broken they turn up they go oh we can't fix it we'll give you another one well your machine's not working mm. they'll turn up they'll fix it if they can't fix it half the time I'll be, I've been renting off these guys for 15 years they'll so just turn up and go okay don't worry about it another have one of the ever,
0: have you ever done any analysis though of of, of, of what that's cost you yeah in but terms, is but it, have you, are you paying more I've never really broken it down but
3: I, but I think you know Cash flow wise, it's easier. And then, at probably the end of the thing, like, okay, you could end up owning it at the end of the five years, but you've got a machine that's five years old now.
0: Well, that's a good point, Phil. I mean, what is the shelf life of some of these? I mean, I know from bitter experience myself of buying coffee machines at home, and, uh, uh, you, you <laughs> and the lifespan of them doesn't seem hugely uh, brilliant, or maybe it's just me breaking them on a the regular basis. Stop buying it as Well, there's that, yeah. Thanks, Keith. Um, I mean, what is, the, what, is, what is the lifespan of some of, the, of these equipment?
2: Uh, yeah, it kind of depends and the, the biggest thing is how well you look after it so you know if you look after a, a coffee machine well it can last sort of five to ten years if people neglect it don't clean it um then you know you're talking sort of three four years with a coffee machine but you know they're very well bit, uh, built well decent coffee machines are very well built nowadays with, with kind of decent parts and most of the parts come to change as well so you know you can keep it still like a car as long as you look after it will last you yeah, a decent, decent
0: of time. Mm-hmm. And in terms of, sort of the the variety of equipment out there, um, I mean, you, you've got the sort of the more traditional barista uh, equipment, and then you've got the bean to cup. I mean, what, what what's the difference? What should pubs be thinking about with 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 those uh, those choices?
2: Yeah, I mean, I heard a comment there which is kind of, kind of typical in, in the coffee world is that, you know, it looks good. So, traditional machines, which is, you know, what you see in kind of the Italian typical cafes, um, they look great and, you know, they show that you're certainly decent about coffee. The, the problem with a traditional machine is there's about 20 things that can go wrong when a, customer, when a, uh, a member of staff makes a coffee to make it, you know, what is a bad coffee substandard product. Um, the beans cut machines, which is obviously beans that grind itself, milk in the same machine, and you just effectively push the button and you get a great cup of coffee. Um, obviously, with those, they're slightly more expensive, but you're then cutting down on staff time. Mm. So, and there's less things to go wrong. So, a decent, fully automatic machine, there's effectively be three things that you have to do in order to make sure that you know, the coffee is good quality. Whereas, I say, the traditional machine is, is a lot more uh, user. User um, time and, and skill level mm. um, the, the other consideration when choosing what copy machine is how much you want to invest personally into making sure that copy machine works so we have an approach that we, we train the managers and we train the area managers and we train the regional directors so that when they go into a site they'll know what a bad copy looks like or what a staff member is doing wrong Mm-hmm. And again, the problem with hospitality obviously is quite a tran- you know, transient business. The staff members do come and go, so the important thing is that you train, you know, at a level which is relatively consistent. Um, you've also got the, the, the halfway house almost, which we call a semi-automatic, which is beans cup. So actually, you put your beans in, push a button, get double espresso, or single espresso. But mm-hmm. then you also have a steam one as well. So think of Starbucks. So you get your a bit of theatre with the steam and the making of the milk. Yeah part of the process is taking care of you so you're going to get consistency in, in, in terms of espresso. And, and the thing about coffee is about A, learning the basic skills um, then being make sure that everything's fresh um, the, the thing about coffee if, the worst if you want to judge how, how well a coffee business is or whether the coffee is going to be good walk into sort of a cafe and look at their hoppers if their hoppers at four o'clock in the afternoon are filled to the top you know that coffee's going to be stale mm. Um, and coffee's like threads. so as soon as you, you kind of let air into it, you've probably got about twenty four hours before you start noticing deterioration. It deteriorates right for the word go, but the average palate won't notice it. Mm. And then as soon as it's ground, you've got kind of a matter of you know, an hour before it's stale coffee. So the biggest mistake people make is is keeping the, the coffee fresh.
0: Right, and and so that's the case of then you know it's little and often with 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 that would be the advice.
2: Yeah, absolutely. If, if you, can, you know you're going to be busy and you sell a lot of a lot of coffee, then you know in the morning fill it up, but by three o'clock in the afternoon, you have made sure that the coffee hoppers kind of kind of way down, and that goes with all machines, a to cup, traditional machine, semi-automatic, whatever it might be. Mm. Is kind of it's all to do with kind of. Um, Stock management, really, yeah. uh, which is kind of something you see. If you just walk on your high street and walk into a cafe, a, a bar, whatever it might be, you will see hoppers full to the brim of coffee, and you just know that's going to be stale. especially by the time that coffee at the top gets down to the bottom for the grind. Mm. You know, it could be two, or three days old, which is just yeah. not great in terms of the product.
0: No, absolutely. And just coming back to the sort of the traditional, the bean, the bean to cup kind of thing. You know, with with everything, when when you're going for convenience, there's always a trade-off. Quite often in quality, is that a factor you should be thinking about in terms of that 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 trade-off between the the two? <laughs>
2: The, no, not really. Um, the, the good bean-to-cut machines nowadays will make a, a, a coffee better than most people make a coffee on, kind of, on the high street for one of a better mm. kind of analogy um, because there's less human error. So the, the good bean-to-cut machines will do a great shot of espresso and great textured milk, so you won't see any kind of um, problems in terms of quality, whereas a staff member who is not particularly good or confident in making a coffee will make, from a traditional machine, say, um, you know, not a great job of, yeah. of, of the coffee the egg Product.
0: Yeah. So I guess if you if you're going to go for the beans cup thing, if you want the better, you've got to pay for the better equipment to to sort of ensure that that yeah. quality is uh, Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, just conscious of the time, Phil. Um, I mean, I guess one one last question, just to get your thoughts really on on. I mean, what what's your general view of of pubs and their coffee offer? And you know, one of the one of the things we're talking about in this is we we generally feel we're not really where we should be we could do be doing a better job I mean as, a, as a, one of the leading coffee suppliers I mean how, how do you see the, the, the pub sector in terms of uh, coffee offer
7: yeah I mean it's
2: like every sector in the hospitality there's some good and some bad so there's some examples of very very good coffee in kind of the pub sector and there's some that you, you just you just wonder why they even you know, put the a rock in it in the first place so it's getting better it's getting a lot better um, the equipment and the kind of I mean coffee's got a great GP on it Um, Mm -hmm. this is kind of the the point why and and also it's an additional product it's it's an extra sell, especially if someone's dining in an establishment so there's plenty of reasons to serve great coffee Mm -hmm. Um, the places that do it well invest in terms of staff training so the management training um, in in terms of the equipment and those who don't do it well just buy a coffee machine just because it's something that their head office or they feel they should should sell so it's very very um, varied um, and pubs is probably kind of the, you know, the widest variance in terms of quality that, uh, in the hospitality sector in terms of coffee, I'd say.
0: So a big opportunity out there for, for, pubs to do a better job and, uh, and, and make more money, really.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it's also, you know, today's, the, the, the younger generation today, obviously don't drink as much as kind of our generation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you do need a decent non-alcoholic offer and coffee is, is kind of completely on trend, um. And, you know, pub's a nice environment, especially day park feeling-wise. You know, if you've got a, a, a pub which is dead in the afternoon, then coffee's a great filler in order to get uh, people in for, for kind of fill that like day park. So, yeah, it's, it's certainly something worth considering and so, sort of buying into um, kind of in a big way rather than a half-hearted way. Perfect. Brilliant. But I would uh, say
0: that. <laughs> well, exactly. Exactly. But you're, not, you're <laughs> not off the mark. Brilliant. Okay, Phil, well, we're out of time. But thank you very much for that. You are listening to the Lock In Podcast and sadly we are at the end of our caffeinated adventure today at the rapidly filling up Summerstown Coffee House. Uh, Very busy here now, lots of people enjoying uh, themselves. Uh, Not coffee at all, in fact they're all on the beers and the wines by the look of it. So uh, we've learnt a lot about coffee. Um, Heath, Nicky, what were your main takeaways from today's uh, episode?
4: Um...
0: Yeah. The mushrooms. 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 I was going to say, I mean, I can Mushroom see Mushroom coffee, car I, is... I just can't believe it. <laughs> yeah. It's not. It, um, yeah, But yeah, it's interesting how, how big the market is and what potential there is. Yeah, yeah. All yeah. right, uh, Nikki.
1: It's interesting what you were saying about the takeaway stuff because yeah. throughout I've been thinking, when I go to a coffee shop, I don't, think, I don't think I've ever actually been to a coffee shop and sat and had a coffee. Mm-hmm. Like, I would get one maybe to take away, but I would. Go in there and when you go into a coffee shop it's not often that like all the well, I haven't seen all the tables full, but there's never many tables in there. So like what about the takeaway option for pubs? Or is the sit down and have a coffee option better for pubs because people don't tend to go to coffee shops or
3: takeaway's do it? good. Yeah they don't take up, up space. They they're take in, it. They're out they're in there out, you're yeah. done. All so those so per- all the- now, but all those parents go to school in the morning I've looked at it and thought, right, I put an A board out in the morning. Coffee shop now open, workshop coffee, Red London Sun, um, and they just put, you know, we've got the shed, we do the takeaways from. Yeah. And then, you know, if it takes off and suddenly we're making loads of coffees, I'll just get somebody to start earlier. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a.
1: Well, that's, that's a good way is if you're doing it especially from the shed outside, is that that's fewer overhead you're going to have to pay, maybe another member of staff. But well, there anyway, there's two of us there, Not right. got to heat up the whole pub, no. Turn the lights no, in the whole No, pub. no, no just open a takeaways yeah, you, from,
3: from, eight, from 8 o'clock in the morning.
1: Yeah, so that's then no. reducing overheads. Increasing sales, on. Yeah. It's sales for nothing. Yeah, when you when at a time when you wouldn't be open normally. So
3: yeah, I know you can say it. it's. What? I'm smart.
1: Uh, I wouldn't say that.
0: You can I, say it. Hang no. on, hang on, Pete. Hey, yeah. Are you basically trying to take credit for the concept of takeaway coffee? Yeah. Yes. Brilliant. In pubs. No one's ever thought of that. No. no.
3: I'm a genius. what
0: yeah. <laughs> word for you. Um, right. It's Brazilian. I, I'm getting yeah I'm <laughs> conscious that it's getting louder and louder and um, he did also cheat on us with another podcast uh, the other day and uh, he's got high falutin ideas about sound now so um, yes we I been think told. we probably should wrap this one up here it has been a blast talking about coffee we have not done enough coffee puns oh god here and, we go I can't oh, think of any here's of them. my head I can't, oh. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to I'm uh, feeling a bit flat so oh, we,
2: oh, there we
0: go. we go that was you're not, you're not a flat White, you're a... well, I tell the way you're I don't know where you go with um, this it sounds racial no <laughs> fat white I mean, a fat, oh, fat <laughs> white um, I mean it is racial yeah, well, yeah. and sizist <laughs> yeah well, look um, how much <laughs> you
1: just laugh <laughs> at your angel um,
0: um, yeah, you should see his opening jokes are rubbish you're a ball twat that's right we're sinking to a whole new level of uh, childish um, uh, childish yeah
1: grow up you think
0: <laughs> yeah I'm as tall as a minigate <laughs> Right, uh, that is it. We will be back in a couple of weeks uh, with more pub related shenanigans. So until then, don't forget to like the episode, share it far and wide on social media, and tell your mum to listen as well. I will try and bleep out Heath's potty mouth. Um, that is it. Heath is off to buy himself a family sized jar of mellow birds, and Nicky's reaching for the Pro Plus. Until next time, dear listeners. And the coffee machine's going off. Perfect. <laughs>